0: So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Today, I've got the privilege of having Sam Wakefield. He's the X Factor for in-home sales. He helps people that sell HVAC, anything that comes into the house. You know, think about it. You're face to face with a customer. You knock on the door. You need your best game. And that's what Sam does for his clients. Sam, you're an amazing coach. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be a, a really good time, I'm sure. I enjoyed when we chatted before as well. And I know that uh, this will be no different. Brilliant. Uh, you know, I've got a
0: client who does door to door vacuum sales. And when I found out, it's like, you do what? They still have this door-to-door thing going on? <laughs> apparently, it's still vibrant and alive. Even during the COVID period, sales were still happening. So tell me how you got into this business.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And, and you're right. During uh, COVID was some of the biggest years my, some of my clients have ever had. Uh, but yeah, so I've been in home improvement for almost 20 years now. I started off years ago just on the crew and you know, as an attic rat for air conditioning, pulling ductwork through you know hot Texas attics in the oh, summertime, yeah. and I found out real quick that. Uh, and a friend of mine, he uh, he gave me some advice one time. He said it is so much better to work with your mind and your mouth than it is to work with your body. And so, from that moment forward, I started a personal growth journey that led me into sales. And so, after a you know, just a couple of years, I started. Um, I realized that for things to get better, I had to get better. Uh, as Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn says, "For things to change, I have to change." And so I, uh, I picked up my first sales books years ago, some Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, of course, and that just launched me into a career of um, award-winning sales. Um, you know, I'd won tons of different awards across the years. Have led teams into those same awards and, uh, you know, help companies grow and scale. And uh, a couple of years ago, I, uh, yeah, totally just decided that I wanted to help everybody else do the same thing. So that's why I started the coaching program. Brilliant. There must be something about the
0: Texas Sun. I've got uh, a friend who was a roofer in the middle of summer and then finally said, That's it. I'm not earning a lot, I'm baking to death. I'm going to become a jeweler. So he goes to this jewelry store and he's got these hands with calluses all over the place. They said, we like you, but you can't go on the show floor because no one's going to want to buy anything from you. So for the next couple of months, he worked in the back and figured things out. And when his hands got, you know, halfway decent, he started selling. And he's been in the industry for 20 some odd years, maybe 30 some odd years. And it was all about why toil in the sun when you could be doing something better. So, mm-hmm. so Sam, tell me about. No uh, The transition from being a really good salesperson, uh, somebody that's leading teams, to being a coach and actually reaching out to uh, other professionals that are really good at what they do, but maybe not so good at sales. So tell me about one of those client stories.
1: Yeah. So that's a good question. I had a uh, a, a guy recently that came from a totally different industry. Excuse me. He uh, was in partially he was doing roofing he was also a doing car sales and he wanted to do something better wanted to do something different because of the struggle that was going on so he found me for coaching and one of the biggest obstacles he was having was asking for the sale you know that was always a big sticky point he would go through have a rock star presentation but then he would just get stuck and just feel like it was almost like this guilt or, or something would come on in the stomach knots. the Oh, yeah. You know, muscles tighten up, get tight in the jaw, and he would just drop the price and run. <laughs> and so that was one of the moments that uh, we helped him work through. You know, I helped him work through. And, you know, he started with his new company, and he's been on what they call the hot list every single month since he started. Um, so Brilliant. It was, it was, that was the missing piece for him.
0: Brilliant. And he's not alone. Uh, there's lots of research on salespeople actually coming down to that last little thing, and they'll talk around it, but won't say, whip out your credit card, let's go, buddy. Right, yeah. <laughs> because we have beliefs in our society about salespeople, and most of those beliefs about salespeople are negative and that's what we need to fight. We're not only fighting kind of our thoughts on what's going on, but society's thoughts of what's going on because we absorb those from our parents, our uncles, our aunts, our teachers, uh, and the uh, enemy is not out there. Sometimes the enemy is within.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I heard, I'm listening to, I'm so into personal growth currently, I'm in a, a book called Green Lights. It's the new Matthew McConaughey autobiography. Right. It's fantastic, full of wisdom. I highly recommend it. But the perfectly matches what we're talking about right now, a a line that I got out of this book, a roof is a man made thing. Any limits that we have, income, personal growth, any relationships, anything, if we think that there's a limit, we made it up. There's no there's no reason that it can't be, you know, if somebody else can do it, then you can do it.
0: So I think, hey, thank you for sharing that. And I wrote down the name of the book. I'll get that. Uh, But what's kind of interesting is this, uh, is that the same person that puts a a limit on his income at an unconscious level, at a conscious level, he's like, this year I'm going to hit 200,000 or 500,000. It's going to be a great year. So one part of their mind is going for it, but a more important part of their mind is saying, but not for you. And sometimes that's right. the dilemma we have to face that the person can't even see their own limitations. And you, as a coach, have to go, Do you realize you're saying one thing and doing something different? So, how do you cross that chasm? How do you cross that bridge for yeah. your clients to A, realize what's going on? And B, how do you get them over that hurdle?
1: Uh, so, w- two things. One is <clears throat> it has to do a lot with confidence. You know, there's two things that breed confidence one is experience. Just by going and out and doing it, accomplishing the other is prepara- preparation. Um, so one of those others are a combination. So that's a big part of it is setting. Uh, with with my clients, what we do is we'll set small, very achievable goals to start them on that process of uh, of just success. To start the success, success pattern, and then once they once we start achieving those little goals, we'll start incrementally increasing them bigger and bigger, knowing that, you know, all you have to have is one in a row. And then you just have one in a row, and then the next one, and that you string those together, and then you've got success. And, uh, and knowing success what, is a journey. It's not a destination.
0: Brilliant. And I, th- and I love that, because I think what people tend to do is they take, they look at the whole enchilada, I got to accomplish this. And the trick to success is saying, All right, what's the smallest positive step I could take? and just by doing that you get momentum by momentum you get more confidence and then you can take on the next step and by the time you do the tenth smallest step you're actually feeling pretty freaking good and the rest of it mm-hmm. you can uh, take on pretty easily
1: right and then once that starts to happen that's one of the main things is I use of course a lot of different uh, in um or different trade terminology but I call that resetting your internal internal thermostat if your internal thermostat is set to well i'm just barely a $50,000 a year earner, but we start to see success past that, you realize, oh, maybe I am a $100,000 a year earner. I'm a $2 million a year earner. It doesn't matter. It's just a zero on the end. The number's irrelevant, but you have to believe that that's who you are to live it and to, to have a consistent life to stay there.
0: This is really interesting because you made the Texas comment made me think of Mark. And then this comment is also making me think of Mark because uh, he runs some jewelry stores, actually the biggest jewelry store in the country. Uh, he's a manager there. And he was saying, you know, we got new newbies coming in and then somebody wants to buy a uh, $1,000 item. And they're like, oh my God, a $1,000 item. Then they get comfortable selling the thousand, then it's selling the five thousand, the ten thousand, then the fifty thousand, then the hundred thousand. And it's just getting to the different milestones and realizing mm. that I did this and I didn't die. Because sometimes it feels like that. We're going to yeah. die. Because <laughs> this person to say, Are you kidding me? I'm not going to pay that. <laughs>
1: that's it. Well, that's so it. we not- have to just divorce ourselves from the number and not spend other people's money for them.
0: Absolutely. And not judge people's spending power with our own limiting money beliefs. Because salespeople tend to do that. It's like, I don't want to offer the top mm-hmm. thing because they can't afford it. And you have no freaking idea what people can afford and what they value.
1: Sure.
0: 100%. So, so one of the things uh, in our last conversation before we went on air a few weeks back, you were saying, you know, there's three areas where salespeople get stuck or people that, you know, have these uh, HVAC companies. So why don't you take us through the first one? Where's the first area a lot of people get stuck?
1: Yeah, well, let's let's review that list super quick
0: so and, it and was then like uh, can,
1: uh, kind of unpack uh, them as we go
0: so cold calling asking for referrals and i forget what the third one was
1: and and, fo- and follow ups yep yep cold, so cold let's start with the first one time. Cold, cold, cold calling first, first. Uh, that's yeah absolutely that's one that you know and and, and not just a track obviously that's where i came from but now we everybody we solar and especially yeah anybody who Uh, It could be insurance. Anybody who has outbound uh, business model is, you know, fits this category. And that cold calling is, 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 and it's so interesting. We talked about this before. Say we run into people at networking events. You collect a whole bunch of business cards. And I've personally lived this until I overcame it. You, You have an entire stack of business cards. A, only to go home and that stack gets set right next to the stack from the other networking group, right next to the stack from the other networker group. And all of these people said, call me, let's talk. But we get into a different situation. We get home and the phone feels like it's a, a million pounds. We can't just can't pick it up. And so it's like, what is the difference? It's situationally different. The energy's different. But we just, we have to just remember if we can just, it's an easy visualization technique to just visualize your back in that room with those people mm-hmm. while they're handing you the card, pick up the phone, just dial that number and just, just remember you're in that moment. And then if the conversation's easy and they pick up the phone, and they're like, oh yeah, I remember you. Let's, I was what I can't, I'm so excited you called. I was been, I've been waiting for your call.
0: So I had this client come in, and she comes in and tells me, "Umar, my husband and I own this franchise. Embroid me, where they sell, you know, those shirts with like the company logo on it, and mugs and pens." Says, "You know, I meet people at networking events. I collect the business cards, and I go home, and then I call them, and I can't set a meeting because they don't want to meet with me. And as soon as I hang up the phone, I know exactly what I should have said." to turn things around. I didn't say it then, or I go into a restaurant. I ask for the owner to come out and we have this conversation and they don't buy from me. And I go back in the car and go, Oh my God, when they said this, I should have said that. She said, I know exactly what to say after the fact. But when she's telling me the story, she told me, Umar, I know I could be great at this. And she uses a strong voice and strong gestures. And then she goes with this other hand, but you know, I don't have formal sales training. So I'm not sure but I know I'll be able to do this. So as soon as you see that, you know there's two parts of her mindset. Mm -hmm. One part knows exactly what she wants and the other part is like, who the hell do you think you are? You're not short enough, tall enough, pretty enough, ugly enough, whatever to do this. And so as soon as I see that, I realize she's got an internal conflict. And so we resolve the conflict uh, uh, using applied neuroscience and I send her on her way. It's a Friday afternoon. I say, on Monday, when you get to the office call the people you met this week and see how things are different. So she calls me back uh, and she says, Umar, you will not believe this. I called the first person Monday morning and I got an appointment. It was such an exciting thing for me. I did a dance in the company and that week I got (laughs) 14 appointments and the right words just fell out of my mouth. So we didn't teach her a thing about what to say. We got rid of the internal conflict. So sometimes people get stuck because they have an internal conflict. And sometimes they get stuck because they have a limiting belief inside their heads. So we tackled number one, cold calling. Number two, referrals. Now, here's the interesting thing is that you're not going to ask somebody for a referral where you did a shitty job. It's just never going to happen in the history of the world. Of course, you're only going to ask people for for referrals Mm -hmm. that you did a phenomenal job and they love you. If that's the case, why is it so difficult? So tell me about one of your clients that struggled with asking for referrals and how you got them over that.
1: Yeah. So referrals, especially in, especially in trades or contractors, that's a big, it's a huge one. It's one of the, the most valuable lead sources, but it's also one of the hardest to get because so many people have had bad contractor experiences. Yes. So they're very reluctant to give referrals. Um, So that's where we have to, you know, be exceptional in what we do. And the second that happens, that's where a a lot of it is, you know, there's, I have a tagline that's stop being weird and start selling. And so when we remember that and just it's part of the normal conversation of, you know, when we're, it's got to be in the moment of course, but the one missing piece that most people have is when they, the project is done, they leave and don't go back. So the, the easiest way to get over that is there's one more appointment we start setting, which is to go back to them, you know, a, a day later, a week later, whatever the, depending on the type of project to just follow up, we I, I teach all my clients to have um, some sort of gift. It could be as simple as you know a, a five dollar gift card to Starbucks or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Show up with with a tiny gift, a gesture of gratitude. It could be just a handwritten note. It doesn't matter. Which is and more important than a five dollar gift card? Exactly. In that moment of being there, um, it could be a vert, It could be a virtual meeting over Zoom. It for that matter, it doesn't matter but you're checking up on them step one is making sure what you did was great that they're still happy that they love it any adjustments ne- need to be made etc but what that does it puts you mentally back in them doing the work mode mm-hmm. that it puts you back in your area of expertise so it makes the conversations about referrals so much easier because now you're back in that peak state of what you did that was extraordinary for them. They're so happy at this moment and they've just got your gift. So now we're pulling on that interaction that if I will, you moment, and it just makes it easy because once they, did you get my gift? Absolutely. Are you still loving your project? Awesome. Great. Who do you know? Not do you know anybody, but who do you know that would be open to chatting about doing this for them? Who who else do you know that I can help friends, family, Uh, My business is built by referrals. I'd I'd love for for a name or two from you.
0: So I'm going to add to that, if I may. Absolutely. So I think people don't like surprises. So I think part of the process needs to be is even on when you're selling the thing up front, tell them this is what the process is going to be like. Mm -hmm. It's going to go da, 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 da. And uh, the last meeting is going to be the most important meeting because I'm going to be doing a check in a week and a half after the system to make sure everything's okay. And at that check-in, I'm going to ask for a kick-ass amazing testimonial that you'll only give if we do something phenomenal for you. And I I may ask you for other recommendations to other people because I think both those things, those Google reviews are important. Mm -hmm. And so you're priming the customer and it also gives them confidence. This dude better do a good job because he wants a referral and he wants a testimonial. And then when you go in to ask for that testimonial, you give the gift, it's the way I kind of advice clients is, what did you most value out of working with me? And number one, you get marketing language from them. What I most valued was you're drinking on the job or whatever it was for you. And uh, then it primes them up for a testimonial because uh, give me a testimonial, sure. But if you ask them the, what did you value most? Then you're queuing them up to say, yeah, just write that, dude, because it comes from the heart. So that's number two. So number sure. three is the follow up, which should be, which is this is part of it, but also people that said no. Following up, mm-hmm. uh, tell me about one of your clients that you helped them get over the follow up hurdle.
1: Oh my gosh! So the follow up hurdle is it's it's a big one. There's a a lot of people in any type of sales that there was the training happened started training about probably 25 years ago and carried through to about 10 five to 10 years ago, some of it's still going on that in the setup, they set the whole process up with at the end, if I've done a good job, blah, 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 this, if, and it makes sense, you can tell me yes or no. And no is a perfectly acceptable answer. So in my mind, that's a lazy salesperson because what that's doing is you're giving the homeowner permission to say no to you and you close the door for any possible future interaction. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, it's, it might've been the wrong way to do it because then you've cut off your pipeline. Uh, we all know in sales, the pipeline is a highly valuable thing. It's basically your portfolio of clients. You may just maybe not have done business yet. And so part of it is just understanding the mindset when somebody says no, or not right now, that that's, that's what it is. It's not a, I don't ever want to do business. It's a not right now. So just understanding that concept, number one is highly important. And then with that concept, the follow-up becomes easy. Most people try to follow up with, do you have any questions I can answer? How about now? How about now? And then you sound like a broken record. Mm -hmm. Follow-up's easy when you, every time you reach out, you one, book a meeting from a meeting, so nice. go ahead and schedule the next fall. Even if it's six months down the road, do you mind if I reach out to you as we have specials or I hear about news in our industry? Of course, no problem. All right, maybe three months from now, six months from now, whatever your timeline is. And then, so getting permission first to reach out. So I just gave you permission, setting the next appointment. And then when you reach out, always have an offer or a piece of information. Either you got to sell, you got a special running, or in some cases it's like, "Hey, I wanted to let you know we found out we've got price increases coming in 2 months. I don't want you to miss out on the lower prices before those get here because it's not going back." So always have a new piece of information, get the permission and have it scheduled, and that and just then just be diligent with your calendar and then the rest just works itself out. It makes it easy to make the call because I already told you they wanted you to call back. Brilliant. Sam,
0: thanks so much for being on the program. And before we part company, two quick questions. Number one, what's a book you would recommend people read? Is it the Matthew McConaughey biography or is it something else?
1: Uh, So for just general life, I would say that one is my, it's every single chapter. It's like flipping my wig back. It's blowing my mind. I love the wisdom in there. For more of a sales perspective book, probably the last one that really got me going was Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Oh, love it. Great book. That book I, is fantastic. A lot, just a lot of the concepts. I have a ton of podcasts that were just based out of po- concepts from that book. So, you know what's yeah, kind of interesting about that book be...
0: is I've forgotten the title of the book because I remembered the title as being the subtitle Negotiate oh. as If Your Life Depends on It. So when I was yeah. telling people, I was using that as the title and it was like, other people were like, no, I read this other book, Never Split the Difference. And it was actually the same book. They went for the main title I went for, kind of shows you where your head's at. Number two question, yeah. do you have a mind hack you could share with our listeners, some little trick that you use to become more efficient or more effective?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, just, I, I hate inefficiency. If I have to do something multiple times or touch something multiple times, then it just starts to frustrate me. And then I I find myself going down this path where I just won't do it at all. So I've learned years ago and what I teach everybody is when when anything comes up that you have to do a task, whatever it is, the more immediate that you can possibly get it done. Instead of saying, okay, I'll schedule this an hour from now, but you've got five minutes now where you could do it. Do it right now. Get it off your mental to-do list, and that, mi- and in fact, create creating a mind dump list will clear up the mental space and allow you to um, to be able to accomplish more. So, anytime if I don't have time to do something, I'll open up a document on my phone and I'll just start listing, dumping everything out of my mind. It's like okay, I've got to do this tomorrow or wherever, so it's on the list, so I could forget about it. Then the next, open up the list and just knock them out because now you've got the clear mental space to be able to hit it. Um, That's a, that's a big ninja trick.
0: So Sam, thank you so much for being on the show. All your contact information will be in the show notes. So if you're on a treadmill running, listening to this, don't try and memorize his URL. It's going to be in the show (laughs) notes, Sam. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Totally. I appreciate being here. It's always a, always a good time interacting with you and I can't wait to, uh,